by God's grace, we'll be expounding Hosea 6, verse 6 this morning. Hosea 6, verse 6. The title of the message is, Empty Sacrifice or Full Service. Empty Sacrifice or Full Service. We left off in Hosea 6, 5 last week where God, because Israel had rejected His word, said, Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. We had a wonderful study in that marvelous text last week when, uh, as we compared the uh, certainty of the nature of light to the certainty of God's judgment on sin and the certainty of God's grace upon the sinner through Jesus Christ. In short, because of Israel's sins, God said His judgments upon them were as sure as the nature of light itself. And now in verse 6 today, God tells them, and by telling them, He tells us as well. Excuse me, my earpiece here was hitting my glasses. But He tells them, and by telling them, tells us, us as well, why His judgments are coming on Israel. In other words, what... If you were to sum everything up that God was finding fault in with the people of Israel, if you summed everything up, what would that be? What would it look like? And he's going to give us some great insight into the righteousness of the God we serve this morning. God said, your judgments are as a light that goes forth, verse 6, for, or this is the reason why, I desired mercy and not sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. I thank You for those tuning in this morning. I thank You for those who took time out of their day, which really Your day is the Lord's day, to come and hear the Lord's words. Thank You for them being here. I pray that Your Word will go forth in the power of Your Spirit this morning, God. Open blind eyes. Shed Your light, Father, upon dark hearts, dear Lord God. Give us the understanding we need of Your Scriptures. Convict us where we're wrong. And Father, I pray you'll teach us and lead us in the right way. Ask in Jesus' wonderful name, Father, may I, all eyes be on you this morning. Amen. God said, here's why you're getting the judgments, Israel. It's because I desired mercy and not sacrifice. God wanted mercy from Israel. Now, the Hebrew word translated mercy because why would God want mercy from Israel? He doesn't need mercy. Well, the Hebrew word translated mercy here, it means kindness. Kindness. This is the same word used by Rahab. You remember the story of Rahab the harlot and the spies that came in to spy out Jericho? It's the same word used by Rahab who lived in the city of Jericho to describe her kindness that she showed the spies when they came in. The Israeli spies or Israelite spies came in and they were going to destroy the city of Jericho and take it over in the name of God. And Rahab knew that God had given them that city. Rahab knew that her city was under the judgment of God. And so when the establishment of that city came, the leaders of that city came and asked Rahab to turn those men in. She said, oh, they went out, they escaped this way, run after them real quick. But she really went and she hid those spies on top of her roof and got them out safely. 
It's the same word also, not only that Rahab used to help the Israelite spies, but it's the same word that Rahab requested from the Israelites whenever they came to destroy their city, and she asked them to show her kindness back in return for her hiding those spies by sparing her and her family. When Rahab hid those spies and helped them escape, she gave them what she needed, uh, what they needed. She was kind to them. And when they, in turn, showed mercy to Rahab and her family by not destroying them with the rest of the, the people of Jericho, they showed her kindness. They gave them what they needed. That's kindness. But what if... When the Jericho soldiers came, and they were trying to look for the spies, and they asked Rahab, where are those spies at? What if instead of telling the soldiers, well, the spies went out that way, run and catch them real quick, and she hides them on the roof. What if she said, oh, the spies? Well, they're right here in the house. Go ahead and take them. And then instead of hiding the spies on top of her roof, she gave them a bottle of cologne instead. And just let, you know, let them run off and uh, be uh, killed by those Jericho soldiers. What if when the Israelites came to destroy Jericho, and she puts that, that red cord down from her window. Y'all know the story, those of y'all who know the story. And they come in to destroy the, uh, the city. What if instead of rescuing Rahab and rescuing her family from destruction... What if they ran into the building and gave them a gift certificate to Cracker Barrel? And what good would that have done? They would have died. Those things would not have been kindness, giving the cologne to the, to the men instead of giving them refuge, giving gift certificates to the, the Rahab and her family instead of giving them protection. It wouldn't have been kindness. It would have been meaningless. Would you agree with that? Absolute meaningless. In the same way, when God desired Israel to love Him, to be obedient to His Word, and to show His love to others, what if Israel would have loved false gods and disobeyed God's Word, instead of loving God and showing His love to others, they just offered Him a dead animal instead? That's exactly what they did. They gave him sacrifice rather than kindness. By totally disobeying God and running after false gods, that would not have been kindness toward God. It would have been meaningless toward God. Here, here's a dead animal. Take it or leave it. God doesn't want dead animals. God wants devoted people. That's the message that we're looking at here this morning. The Israelites were so vain and foolish that they didn't care to know and serve their own God. They disregarded their responsibility to Him as their Creator and their Redeemer. And they never gave Him that love and that devotion that He desired and that He deserved. And people today are guilty of the same things. Remember, everything we read about in the Old Testament is written for our admonition. By reading their stories, we're looking at the stories that unfold in people's lives today, here in our lands, 
our nation, our homes, we're guilty of the same thing. We're guilty of giving God gifts, giving Him dead, meaningless sacrifices, rather than the love and devotion that God desires and deserves. I was doing some work at the church the other day, and a man stopped by. I was outside, and a man stopped by, and he, uh, after we visited for a while, and he asked me to pray for him. And uh, I told him I would, and asked the man, do you have a church home? And when I asked the man that, he got real nervous, and he started walking away. And I could tell he didn't want to talk about church at all. And he acted like he wasn't interested in church, he just wanted the prayer. I don't need to talk about the church stuff, just pray for me. That's all I wanted, just pray. As far as having a church home, he said, quote, that he was in limbo at the moment, but that if he did go to church, he'd go to the Nazarene church. And I thought about that man again as I was studying for this message. And when I studied for this message and I thought about him, I prayed for him again. But what good does it do to pray for a man who doesn't care about going to church and learning what God's will is for his life? What good is that? If the man doesn't want to love and devote himself to God, then what am I asking God to do for him? You know, other than change his mind, which is what I did do. To continue to keep him healthy so he could continue on in his disobedience to God. Lack of love and devotion to God and His Word. I spoke with a woman a couple of years ago about her need to be saved. And she told me that she was okay because she had some Catholic statues that her priests had given to her. So I'm okay. I got these idols. <laughs> but she didn't call them idols. She called them something else. Had a fancier name, but it was an idol. It was a statue. And I told her, I said, those statues can't help you. And she argued with me and insisted that they could because her priest had blessed them before he gave them to her. Asking someone to pray for you is no substitute for praying yourself. Possessing statues is no substitute for repentance toward God in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. They are dead sacrifices offered to a living God. And God has no pleasure in them. Listen, how do we make this more practical today? God doesn't want a Bible sitting on your coffee table in the living room or sitting on your nightstand at home. He wants His Word in your heart. God doesn't want the emblem of a cross hung around your neck or tattooed on your body. He wants the power of the gospel to be known and acted upon in your daily life. Don't give your dead, empty sacrifices to a living God. God wants meaningful mercy, not empty sacrifice. When people need help, be kind to them. When people need mercy, give them mercy. It's better to give mercy than give a sacrifice because you were unmerciful. Here, God, I'm not going to be merciful, but here's a sacrifice. It's better to obey than to apologize. Wouldn't that make sense? It's certainly better to obey than to apologize to God for not obeying. Here, God, 
Here's a sacrifice. Here's an empty sacrifice. Thinking God likes apologies instead of obedience is the same as thinking God would rather us give a sacrifice to Him because we don't show mercy rather than showing mercy in the first place. It's not understanding God. It's not caring about giving God what He really wants, our full devotion and service rather than our empty, worthless sacrifice. You see, when God gave sacrifices, the law of sacrifices in the Bible, God did not give those sacrifices for Himself. He gave the sacrifice for us, not for Him. God has no pleasure in those sacrifices. Again, the sacrifice isn't for God, it's for us. God would rather have kindness from us than the sacrifice because we were not unkind. Look back in your text. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. It would be far better to know the Lord than to burn a sacrifice to a God you don't care to know. That makes sense? It's better to know the Lord, to know Him personally, experientially, to know Him by faith, to know Him, Him through the thick and thin of following Him and Him being faithful to you, than to offer a sacrifice to a God you don't care to know. You know what happens when people say, well, I'm not going to go to church. I don't care anything about going to church. Just pray for me. I don't care anything about going to church. I can worship God out here on the golf course. I can worship Him in the, in the, uh, the uh, deer stand. I don't need to go hear His Word and actually learn about Him because that's what you do. Those deer aren't teaching you anything about God. There's no Word of God out there to hear and to follow and to obey and to convict the heart and change the mind. When you go out on the golf course, you're not sitting there saying, Our Father which art in heaven. How would it be thy name? That's not what you're doing. Get real. God knows better now. You're not pulling any wool over his eyes. God wants the knowledge of God more than he wants burnt offerings. Again, it'd be far better to know the Lord than to burn a sacrifice to God you don't care to know. And this applies to how we show God's love to others as well. If a man loves his wife, we're going to get very practical with the Scripture again. If a man loves his wife, then he'll want to know what she needs as a woman. And he'll want to give her what she really needs from her husband. There's some things only a husband can provide to his wife. There's some things only a wife can provide to her husband. If a man, and we're just going to use the man and pick on the man today. If a man loves his wife, he's going to give her what she really needs from her husband. A real woman wants to be cherished, protected, led, respected, and provided for by her husband. She wants him to listen to her. She wants him to come to her rescue when needed, especially if there's a big bug in the kitchen. Right? That's what she she wants. She wants him to be faithful to her and to her alone. I had a man this week tell me at work. 
He looked at me and said, no offense, and present company excluded. Didn't want to offend me. He said, but I don't know anybody that actually is faithful to their wife and don't, don't cheat with somebody. Oh. Think of Jesus groaning within himself. Oh. But he was serious. I don't know anyone that don't cheat on their wife. And I let him know I don't cheat on mine. But that's what a woman wants, a man to be faithful to her and to her alone. But what if a man doesn't love his wife? And instead of giving her what she really needs as a woman, he gives her some empty symbol of love, like we do God. Just some empty symbol of love. And he expects her to be pleased with it. And by showing you this practically between a husband and wife, you can understand better between a man and God. Let's say a wife is upset with her husband because he's been looking at dirty pictures of other women. I tell you what, if you've got a man cave, you've got some outdoor shop or someplace, some place that is at, at your house that's your man cave or your space or whatever, your wife should not be able to walk out in your man cave and see some picture of some cladly dressed woman up there. I used to see that all the time. At the, I was raised up in a garage, and you'd see these mechanics that put half-naked women up, laying over a car, or advertising a snap-on tool. Or you'd go into a, a, a man cave somewhere, and, and uh, man, I saw a bunch when I was in law enforcement. Man, I saw a bunch in law enforcement. You walk in some of these places, there's naked women up everywhere, hanging up on the wall. A woman should be able to walk in anywhere and not... And, and not see this filth hanging up on the wall of her house or her husband's man cave, or she should be able to leave the house knowing that he's not looking at pornography on the Internet. That's being unfaithful to your spouse. And let's say that, that, that the, the man looks at his wife, he says, well, all right, you're upset with me because I've been looking at dirty pictures of other women. Here, I bought you a necklace. Here, it looked pretty on you. Okay, honey, I know you're upset because I've been demeaning you and talking down to you. I'll take you out to eat tonight. Sweetheart, you're, you're hurt because I avoid you emotionally and spiritually and uh, only pay you attention when I want you physically. I'll swing by Walmart and pick you up some flowers. You know, as crazy as it sounds, that's exactly what some men do. Isn't it? That's exactly what some men do. And when they do their wives like this, it shows what they really think of them. It shows, I don't want to give you what you really need. I don't want to really quit looking at this stuff. I don't want to really change how I speak to you. I don't want to really change A, B, C, and D and give you what you really need. So I'll give you this empty, worthless gift instead. And that's what they do to God. God, I don't want to give you what you really want from me. I don't really want to be sold out to you and, and serve you with my whole heart. I don't want to really be faithful to come to the house of God. I don't want to be faithful to study my Bible. I don't want to really get all holier than thou on you. So I'll give you some worthless religious trinket instead. I'll hang a picture of Jesus up on my wall. 
I'll put a Bible on my coffee table. I gave someone a gospel booklet one time, hoping they would read it and be saved. I said, and a long time passed, and I said, did you ever read that? And they go, well, I, I've still got it to this day. I have it sitting right over here. Well, that's not going to do any good. That's a worthless sacrifice. Don't care enough to know about what God's Word says, but we care enough to take God's Word and say, well, I don't really want to really know what it says, but I'll put it in a place of prominence right here. That looks real nice, and God, I know you'll be pleased with that. That's a burnt offering rather than the knowledge of God. You see? That's exactly what God's talking about here. That's what people do with their spouses. That's what uh, people do with their God. God said, what I really want from you, Israel, is your love for me and your devotion to me. And to share that love and devotion to others. Here's a kingdom truth. Token gifts can be a result of our love. But they can never be a substitute for it. Token gifts can be a result of our love. But they can never be a substitute for it. Let's say that someone is so thrilled with what Jesus did for them on the cross. That they get a piece of jewelry and they put it, a little cross on there to remind them of their great love for God. That can be a result of love, but a cross can't be a substitute for it, you see? What if someone thinks, I love my wife so much, I want to surprise her and bring her some flowers home. The flowers, that gift, that token gift can be a result of love, but it can never be a substitute for it. Back in the Old Testament, they gave those sacrifices because the sacrifices represented something. When, when, I, when they gave a burnt offering, that was the people saying, I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there's going to be someone come one day who's going to do for me what I cannot do, but what I want to do with all of my heart. And that is be wholly devoted to God. Lord, and, and then when they offer that offering and that smell goes up to God, it represents Christ. And Christ represents the people when He lived and died for them. But you know what else He represents? For me, someone who loves God, He represents everything I want to be to God and have been able, unable to do. But one day when He comes again, we'll be able to do. But that sacrifice as an empty gift means nothing. It can flow from our love, but it can't be a substitute for it. You see? I can place the Bible in a prominent place in my home. And that's a good thing if it's because I love God's Word so much. I'm going to put it here and hold, put it in a prominent place. I've, I usually keep a Bible on my nightstand next to my bed. And I don't set junk on it. You know, I'm not going to take a water, set my water on top. I'm just not going to do it. It's demeaning. But that's got to flow from my love for God's Word, not be a substitute for it. So token gifts can be a result of our love, but they can never be a substitute for it. And this is why Jesus came. Uh, in Matthew chapter 12, 
verse 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. Great passage of Scripture. The Bible says, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and His disciples were in hunger. In other words, they were hungry. And began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. Now, the Old Testament law said you didn't work on the Sabbath day. And here they're walking through the cornfield. They're hungry. And they just pluck some ears off and they begin to eat the corn. Verse 2, But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger? And, that, and they that were with him, how, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. That happened in the Old Testament. Verse 5, Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? How do the priests profane the Sabbath? Well, guess what the priests do? They work on the Sabbath days. Look at me. I'm working on Sunday right now. You see? Verse 6, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Verse 7, Now look where Jesus takes our scripture today that we're studying in Hosea 6.6. 6. And now Jesus is going to quote Hosea 6.6 6 to them. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. He's saying if you would have known what Hosea meant, or what I meant when I said through Hosea, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't have condemned the guiltless. Jesus is showing there's a very important reason for us to understand Hosea 6.6 6 this morning. Verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. You see that? The Son of Man is Lord even of of the Sabbath day. What is Jesus talking about here? If they would have understood the verse we're reading about this morning, the book of Hosea, Jesus said they wouldn't have condemned him and his disciples. The Old Testament sacrifices could not give God what he really needed and what he really deserved. And that was our perfect love and obedience. Look what Jesus said. Look back at this text and uh, keep, keep where we were at here. Thank, thank you. He said in verse 6. Now you may not be able to go back, Brother Rick. That's okay. I'm working down to verse 8. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Now the sacrifices were made at the temple. The priests labored at the temple and were guiltless. Jesus is saying, I'm greater than the temple. You see? So if, my, if the priests, if my servants could labor on the Sabbath day at the temple and have no guilt, 
under the Old Testament law, then my servants can labor for this temple and have no guilt as well. You see, I'm greater than the temple. Remember what Jesus said? He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And he was talking about the temple of his body. He was the greater temple. Because that temple where the sacrifices were made, and where the sweet aroma was made, and where the, the showbread was, was given, and where God's presence was in that most holy place, all of that temple service was just a picture of what Jesus would do when He came. When Jesus came, He was the real temple. And the temple made out of bricks or stone and the Old Testament sacrifices there, they were just pictures of the real temple. Jesus was the real high priest. Jesus was the real sacrifice for our sins, the real burnt offering. Jesus was the real temple service. Jesus was the, the one in the holy place. Jesus was the, the, the veil in the temple that opens the door so people can come to God. Jesus was all of it. And Jesus says, I'm the greater temple. And if you would have known in Hosea 6.6 6, what that meant, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned these disciples of mine. Again, the Old Testament sacrifices couldn't give God what He really needed. They couldn't give Him that kindness, that mercy as it says in the Old Testament. And that was our perfect love and obedience. So Jesus came to give God what the sacrifices couldn't give Him. Jesus came to give God the love and obedience that we owed God and that God deserved. Jesus was greater than the temple, greater than the Sabbath day, greater than the Old Testament sacrifices. If the Pharisees would have understood that sacrifices were not what God desired, then they would have understood that Jesus had come to give God what he did desire. When Jesus went to the cross, he was no empty sacrifice. He finally gave to God what God really wanted from us. Perfect obedience. He obeyed God all the way to the cross. And not only did he love God so much, he obeyed him unto death, but he showed God's love to others by loving his neighbor as himself by dying for them. No empty sacrifice there. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says, When Jesus came into the world, this is what he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Now Jesus is speaking to God here in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament. And Jesus says, God... Sacrifice and offering is not what you wanted, but a body hast thou prepared me. <laughs> In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Believe me, God wasn't sitting there saying, Man, I can't wait for them to kill another innocent lamb. I really like it when they do that. It's not what God did. God had no pleasure in those animal sacrifices. God had no pleasure in watching innocent animals die. They were just 
a token of what Jesus would one day do. And finally, all these people say, well, God must really like us butchering these animals. We'll live any way we want to, then we'll just go butcher an animal and God will be happy. Man, they didn't get God. They didn't understand God. They didn't understand the gospel when they did that. So when Jesus came in the world, He tells the Father, you didn't want sacrifice and offerings. Burn, burn offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Hebrews 10, 7, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, To do thy will, O God. Jesus said, you didn't want these empty sacrifices. You didn't want these dead animals. You wanted obedience. You wanted devotion. You wanted love for God and love for the neighbor as myself. And that's something none of these sacrifices could do. And so because of that, you prepared me a body. So that in this body, I would be born as a baby. And I would give you, Lord, what you really wanted and what you really deserved. And I, as a man, will finally give God what He needs, what He wants, what He deserves. And so Jesus in that body perfectly obeyed God. Love God all the way to the cross. And in that body, He died for the sins of the world. Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. In the Old Testament, Hosea 6.6, 6, when God said, I want mercy and not sacrifice, or I want kindness, and not sacrifice. Do you know what ultimately that means? God was actually saying, not only do I not want empty sacrifice, but He was also saying, these sacrifices aren't cutting it. I've got to have the real thing. I want mercy and not sacrifice. And so one day, someone's got to come, and give me the devotion and love for man that I deserve. And Jesus is saying, had you understood that, God says, I want mercy and not sacrifice, then you would understand that I'm the one that came to give God what He really wanted. Because you have come short, and these sacrifices cannot do what God wants, and now I will be the sacrifice. That does it all. With that, we'll go ahead and close this morning. Father, Lord, we thank you for your precious word. I pray, dear God, that we will not give you empty sacrifices. We will not give you dead works. We will not give you tokens of religion as a substitute for true love and devotion to our God. Lord, I pray, Father, you'll help us, Lord, to powerfully and practically, Lord, live out the faith of Christ for you. And I ask it in Jesus' precious name.